Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. How would you like to do great works for Jesus and the kingdom of God? Do you believe that's possible? Would you be surprised to hear that Jesus said it was 100% possible for all of his followers, but not until he left earth? That's because we are now part of what Bible scholars call the New Order. This means the work of Jesus is now being done by his people through the power of the Holy Spirit. What must we do? Stay close to Jesus and ask him to work in and through us. This is how we change the world. Let's join Pastor Jim in the final part of his message, the three R's of the abiding life. So if that's you, if if you feel like there was a time when you were abiding and now that time seems to be gone, the word of God is the key back. Take this as an invitation from the king of saying to you, I want you to come back. I want to have that relationship with you. So from remaining in Christ, staying with Christ to resting in Christ, the third R is abiding in Christ, and abiding in Christ is relying on Christ. So the third word is rely, relying on Christ. Let's look at the end of verse seven, just the end, and then we're gonna go back to the entirety of verse seven. The, The end of verse seven, sadly, is one of the most misused verses in the entirety of the New Testament. It's a great way to raise money, it's a great way to lie to people and get them to, to buy into your stuff and to, and to you know, just say, if, it doesn't, if you don't get what you want, well, I guess you didn't have enough faith. So let's listen to this. You will ask, Jesus says, what you desire and it shall be done for you. I want a mansion. I want a new car. I want a family that always does what I want. I want my life to be one big, happy, joyful Fast. Good luck with that one. <laughs> That's not, that is not life this side of eternity. So now let's go back and read the whole verse without interruptions based upon what we already heard. If, that is a massive if. Last chance to circle it and put an arrow out into the, into the margin of your Bible. Everything depends upon the if. If you abide in me, in other words, if, if someone remains in me, Jesus says, someone stays with me and my words abide in you. And, the, and so Jesus' words, what we have here in the scripture, the word of God, it is, it is part of you. We might say, then, if those two conditions are true, then you will ask what you desire. Let me stop. Because your desires will be the result of abiding in Christ and Christ's word abiding in you. And it shall be done for you. Another version says, it will take place for you. So let's just start with a very simple, simple, basic thing. If you are abiding in Christ, the prayers of an abiding person are much more centered on the will of God and the kingdom of God than they are in being self-centered. Do we understand that? Very important. if, If you're abiding and you're abiding in Christ and abiding in his word, the focus of your prayers will dramatically change. 
Such prayers will be like Jesus prayed, thy will be done, not my will be done. Now, can you ask for yourself? Yes, but abiding will help you if you don't like the answer. The abiding will help you if it's not God's will for you now or maybe even in the future or you're gonna have to wait. Prayer is relying on Christ and the massive if tells us that abiding in Christ is a condition of prevailing prayer. Now, dependency on Christ or relying on Christ is the conscious realization of my need for God's help as well as being completely aware of how weak my own self-sufficiency is. So I'm dependent upon him. Now, you may say, I, excuse me, Pastor Jim, I don't really hear a lot of praying like this, to which I will draw your attention back to two things. Remember the if, and remember the American Bible Society survey. Without praying, the scripture says we ask amiss, we ask for the wrong things, without abiding, or so without abiding, we pray for the wrong things. Much of our prayer is in vain because it's out of step with what the Lord is doing. Yet, such prayers that are in step are answered. Because of his love, God often says no. Because if he gave us what we want or what we ask for, a lot of times it would hurt us. Or sometimes what we ask for is just not his will or his way. So what does Jesus mean then when he says, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you? This is the problem when we take Bible verses out of context and this is what a lot of preachers do, and we try to make them say something that was not intended. But it draws a crowd, it makes people happy, and then when they don't get an answer, you go, you didn't have enough faith. <laughs> you got people coming and going on that one. What's actually happening here is Jesus is building on something he said in chapter 14. Remember we said chapter 14 was more about what God is doing, chapter 15 is more about what we are doing, He's already told them something. Now, there's a lot going on. They're probably not going to really, they're probably not really absorbing all of this, but eventually they're going to come back to it and they're going to put all the pieces together and they're going to figure out what he was talking about. So let's look back just one chapter in chapter 14, drawing your attention to verse 12. Jesus says this. Now, they're still at the Last Supper now. Remember, at the end of verse 14, chapter 14, we saw in a previous study, Jesus said, come on, let's go. He says this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. Let's stop right there. He says, most assuredly, I say to you. When the scripture says most assuredly or verily, verily, or you know, sure, you know, assuredly, assuredly, truly, truly, when Jesus says that, that's our clue for what, Bible students? Pay careful attention. Pay very, you're like, I want to pay careful attention to everything he says. Jesus is like, this is like double. This is okay. Wake the kid up there in the third row that's asleep. Everybody has to know this. It's going to be on the test. It's going to be on the quiz. 
pay attention. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. Let's stop right there. Belief, what, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? He's been saying all along that he's God. That's why the religious leaders want to string him up on a cross. Again, they're going to have to get the Romans to do it by saying he's a king. They say you, they're charged against him. You being a mere man, make yourself out to be equal with God. And Jesus didn't go, oh, you got me all wrong. He didn't say that at all. So he says, believe in me. So believe more similar to our word trust. Believe in me. The idea is a personal commitment to Jesus. So if you believe in me, the works that I do, he will do also. So he's telling this to the guys at the Last Supper. And notice this, greater works than these he will do. Now you're sitting there going, I'm going to do what Jesus did? Now, in some cases, the apostles in very limited fashion. Very, they were not doing miracles like Jesus was. And then he says, in greater works than these he will do. How? Not a, a better question than how is why? Why? He says, because I go to my father. All of this is going to happen. Whatever he's talking about is because he goes to my father. So it means it's after the cross, the resurrection, the ascension into heaven, and the coming of the Spirit of Christ, Galatians 4 tells us, uh, the, the, the coming of the Holy Spirit to us. So all this is going to happen after it because he goes to his father. And verse 13, then he says, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Why? That the Father may be glorified in the Son. So a lot of the things that we pray for, do they bring glory to God? Well, probably not. Then he says, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So what are the greater works? Typically, people divide it into three categories. You could put a lot more into it. Some say it's quantity. There'll be more quantity. And you know what? 2,000 years of the church and all the number of good things that people have done, I would imagine it's fair to say that you could say that maybe the, the, the sheer number of nice things that Christian people did might exceed the sheer number of things that Jesus did. That might be a possibility. Uh, more spectacular than Jesus? No way. <laughs> Not even close. No way. Now, many people say it's conversions because by the time Jesus gets to the crucifixion, he, there's almost no followers of Jesus and then the church will become this worldwide movement. There's true conversions and there's false conversions. That's probably the best of the three options, but I wanna put an asterisk on that. You see, the asterisk is, Jesus said it was because I go to my father. So it seems to be from that statement to indicate that the greater works are, are because of what Bible scholars call the new order. Now, some of you are saying, isn't that a Star Wars thing? No, that's, that's a new order. What's the new order? This new order makes it clear that, that the redemptive work, we call that, we call that the purchasing of, of, of people from the darkness, the redemptive work of the Father through the Son is now being done through followers of Jesus 
in the power of the Holy Spirit in what we would call word and deed. Let me, let me, I know this is Bible geek talk, so let me just, let me just try to put it down, put the cookies on the low, on the low shelf, as we say. Basically, our fruitful Christian life comes to pass by abiding in Jesus and in prayer, asking for more fruitful lives. See, he connects what happens when he dies on the cross and he leaves with what is now in existence. So we don't compare Jesus' work to the apostles' work. There's no comparison. We don't compare Jesus' work to our work. Why? There's no comparison. We see that Jesus is now working through his followers. Why? To bring glory to God. And that, as we'll see as we continue in chapter 15, is the greater things, once again, because it brings glory to the Father who sent the Son. So what does an abider, someone who's abiding in Christ, ask for in prayer? Well, they asked for being a living sacrifice, an agent for the good news in the world. That, when we are like that and we pray for that, that prayer, when we pray, God, make me an agent for the good news in the world, make me an agent of of your will, that brings glory to God And that is a prayer that God will answer, although you may not notice the results either till someone points it out to you or you're like, you know, I used to only care about myself. I don't don't get it. Why why am I wanting to help other people? Why am I wanting to be generous? What's going on with me? And you realize that you are a follower of Jesus who is now abiding And so as you continue to act in that way and live in that way and pray in that way, you will notice that God will continue to give you wisdom in your prayers. I would like to put it to you this way. This is not as much as praying for blessing. This is a praying to be a blessing because the object of our prayers becomes like he said here in verse 13 of chapter 14, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It is a prayer of faith that leads to a life of faith. Once again, this is a conscious decision to rely on the Lord. It is a conscious decision to depend upon the Lord instead of myself, instead of my feelings, and instead of my emotions. This is a constant, a conscious, excuse me, decision and determination to seek the guidance of God in the word of God, to seek the peace of God in the chaos of life, and to follow God's plan for my life. It is once again the acknowledgement that a branch that is not attached to, to the vine is dead. 
And if I am a branch that is not attached to the vine, I am dead too. And I'm not being fruitful and I'm not bringing glory to God. See, this is not all about getting what you want. If you want to bring glory to God, that's what he's talking about. Finally, we get to verse eight. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples. Now you're like, oh, so I have to bear fruit to be my disciples. Well, that's actually biblically can't be true. So another version says, so you will be shown to be my disciples if you bear much fruit or you will prove to be my disciples. Now, this is quite a statement. Jesus is saying that fruit, that who produces the fruit? He does. We just bear the fruit by being connected to the vine that that fruit, Jesus says, that I produce in and through you brings glory to my Father and at the same time proves to you that you are a follower of Jesus. Boy, this has got to kill for some people. You're abiding in Christ. You're, living, you're trying your best with God's help to live the Christian life. I hope this is killing your doubt. Somebody says to me, well, you know, it must be great feeling for you knowing you're going to heaven because you're being a pastor. I'm like, listen, man, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to tell anybody I'm Pastor Jim because nobody's going to ever heard of Pastor Jim. I'm, when people say to me, well, why do you think you're going to heaven? I go, I'm going in on the coattails of another. I'm riding the wave of another. My life is dependent upon the life of another, not my own. And his life was perfect. And I am trusting in him. That's why I can be so confident. That's why I can be so confident. And you can be too. Quite simply, as God's children begin to look more like their heavenly father, they prove themselves to be disciples of Jesus and they continue to grow. You can't be a little kid forever. They continue to grow as Jesus' disciples. So the fruit is the result of what? The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The life, death, perfect life, death on the cross, resurrection, ascension to heaven of Jesus Christ. It's the result of Jesus perfect remaining in his father. The, his perfection in resting in his father. His perfection in relying upon his father and the power of the spirit. And now that life is lived out, yes, with flaws, but that life is lived out in Jesus' followers as we abide. So, the God is, so God is glorified as you bear fruit, which really could say as you're living for the Lord and continue to live for the Lord, continue following Jesus, growing in Christ, developing in your faith, and maturing. You never mature. You are always maturing. This is an active faith. You never arrive. So God is glorified when you and I become more Christ-like. And it's important to note there are many things to, that encompass Christ-likeness. We're almost done. Really pay attention now. Really pay attention. It's important that we understand, especially in American celebrity Christianity, it's important that we understand that giftedness does not equal godliness. Did we hear that? So many of these well-known large church pastors are being taken down. Why? 
because giftedness does not equal or does not necessarily equal godliness. If God gives you a gift, it is to be used for his glory, not for your glory. But because so many people think they're not as gifted as the next Christian, they, they think it's true that giftedness and godliness are one and the same thing, they get discouraged. Nor is a flurry of activity. I gotta do this for God. I gotta do that for God. I gotta do this for God. Nor is that necessarily godly and fruitful. Using God's gifts that he's given to you where he has planted you and living for him where you are is godly. Many of you, I know that I'm younger than a lot of you that are watching. And many of you have 20 and 30 years on me. Many of you are older or you're sick or you're caring for someone. God knows that. He totally knows that. Maybe you're older and, and you've just been saying to God, you've been through a bout of illness and you're like, God, give me a few more years to make a difference in this world. And then coronavirus hits. This was not how you planned your life at this stage of your life. Some of you wanted to get married and you, you're holding off on that. Or some of you had a job promised to you and now you can't get that job because of this virus. Some of you, like Pam and I, you, you just had your first grandchild and you can't spend as much time with that grandchild as you wish or you can't spend your, as much time with your own kids as, as you wish. God knew that. And God understands that. So can you bring glory to God if that's you? You better believe it. You better believe it. You most certainly can. The same is, is, is true for people who think there's no way I can abide in Christ. You can. You can bring glory to God by abiding in Christ where you are. You can bring glory to Christ by abi uh, abiding where in Christ where God has you and let him develop Christ-likeness in you. This is particularly important in a pandemic. Bloom where you are planted. You say, I don't know how to do that. Remain in Christ. Stay in Christ. Rest in Christ. Rely on Christ and you will be abiding in Christ and the Father will be glorified in the Son. Let increasing Christ-likeness be an evidence to you that you are a child of God and you bring glory to him. And when you mess up, the scripture says, 1 John 1, 9, if any of us confesses our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confess your sins and move on, and move on. Same is true for continuing in the faith and caring that others hear the good news and come to faith. Such gospel work and gospel prayer will deepen your faith and your desire to press on in the Holy Spirit's power in the midst of your weakness. If you are abiding in Christ, such work will drive you to prayer, not despair, and then let the Holy Spirit work through you. 
I just want to close with some good news, clearly from that American Bible Society survey. The church, uh, church people are in decline, but there was something very, very interesting in that survey. In the United States of America, they figured out, they did it in, in conjunction, a second study with Barna organization, 67.8% of American adults, that's 172 million are what they called Bible curious. What's the problem that Bible curious people face? They're not connected to a church. They're not connected to abiders. Friend, they're not connected to you. And they're not connected to me. May we, together, like Jesus, seek them out, tell them the good news, Teach them how to come to faith. Teach them how to abide. And may both you and me and them glorify God. Thank you for spending the last half hour with Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Changed by Love is designed to help you deepen your relationship with Christ no matter where you are in your journey. Teaming with Changed by Love financially makes it possible to reach thousands, many more than you and I could reach on our own. We are stronger together than we could ever be apart. Please consider a generous gift today. Give safely and securely online at changedbyloveradio.org. You'll find our address there too if you'd rather send a check. You can always reach us by phone at 862-217-9686. It takes a team to encourage thousands. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney. changedbyloveradio.org.